1909, the year before Japan's forced annexation of Korea, Korean independence activist and patriotic hero An Jung-gun assassinated Ito Hirobumi, the first Japanese resident general of Korea. And in that same year, Yoon Eun, a descendant of the Papyong Yoon clan, was born. Father was born in 1909 and mother in 1919, the year when the March 1st movement was held. Father died in 1965, so he truly lived through an era of ordeals as a witness to history. Yoon Eun's wife, Lee Do Soon, was born in 1919, the year of the March 1st movement. When Korea won its independence in 1945, it seemed as though a new world was about to begin. But then came the war. Father was drafted and we became refugees. I was 11 or 12, a third grader. Mom was pregnant and we had to get through the Bungyeongseje mountain pass. We had nothing to eat, so I'd knock on doors and say, we're refugees and we're so hungry, please give us some food. Then I'd bring back meager portions of rice to give mom and the younger siblings. With their belts tightened, they fought to survive. And like skin healing over a scar, ruins were rebuilt, and the world changed. By the time I'd leave work, demonstrations would be going on everywhere. When tear gas was fired, I would hide behind a work building. Myeongdong Cathedral was nearby, and that's why so many demonstrations were held there. There were more everyday people than students. The everyday lives of ordinary folks, each one a unique history, and the family history of Yoon Eun, Lee Do Soon, and their seven children recall the past 100 years of the Republic of Korea. Marking the 100th anniversary of the establishment of the Provisional Government of the Republic of Korea, KBS World Radio has prepared a special story. It's a story of a family. It may not be a part of any history book, but the Yoon's 100 years is very much a part of Korea's story. I'm your host, Sean Lim. On the morning of the first day of the Lunar New Year, the Yoon brothers are preparing to honor their ancestors in Kapyong, Gyeonggi Province. Boys from a mountainside village in Chungcheong Province have now become middle-aged men in their 60s with salt and pepper hair. Parents and siblings are the first to come to mind on holidays. After the ceremony, the siblings gather at a sister's house, and they make a phone call to their eldest sister, who now lives in the United States. 
누나, 누나, 우리 전부 모였어. 여기 셋째 누나 집이고. The love for family can be felt across the Pacific Ocean. Tongyi is the eldest of seven, and she turns 80 this year. She's almost like a parent to the Yoon siblings. The youngest of the family, Yoon Junhui, has decided to visit Tongyi in the U.S. with his wife. 현숙, another sister, has prepared some high-grade seafood as a gift. She'll ask Chunhee to make the delivery. She'd rather join him on the trip, but maybe next time. There's so much love around. Young people these days may wonder why the older generation had so many kids, but big families do have their advantages. Three sisters, Tonghee, Cheonggui, and Minsuk, currently live in the United States, and they all gather to greet their youngest brother. They meet every few years, but this time is a little more special. Their mother would have been 100 years old this year, and also the reunion coincides with the eldest brother-in-law's birthday. From grandparents to grandkids, three generations full of love are now gathered in one place. The happy lives they live away from their home country is born out of hardships they endured in the past. The day's man of honor, Mr. Sa Sung-sik, says he owes it all to his wife. It's already my 81st birthday. The reason I have a day like this is all thanks to my lovely wife, Dong-hee, the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> They've lived in America for almost 50 years, but kissing in front of the kids still feels awkward. After all, they are still Koreans with certain sensibilities. There never was a moment they'd forgotten their homeland or their brothers and sisters. And that longing can be felt in their garden as well. Azaleas, peach trees, persimmon trees, pomegranate trees. Over half a century ago, the backyard of the Yun family's house in Chungju, Chungcheong province may have looked very much the same. There was a mountain right behind our house, so acorns would fall in our back alley. When I think back to our house, it was so beautiful. There were two cherry trees, two persimmon trees, and a pear tree. These days, when I'm reminded of the house, I paint it like this. It was so nice. Every year, when the persimmons hang heavy on the trees, Tongyi is reminded of her sisters and brothers. The red persimmons would fill the tree. There is enough for our whole family and then some. 
that makes me miss my sisters and brothers so much more. One hundred years ago, in 1919, the March 1st movement flared up, and the provisional government of the Republic of Korea was born. In the U.S., the Korean Americans were preparing for a special event commemorating the momentous occasion. Sung-shik are at Yongnak Presbyterian Church in downtown Los Angeles. Sung-shik is a member of the senior choir at the church, and they are now practicing their music. These seniors have been singing praise all their lives, so their praise is not like those of other churchgoers. It's much deeper. The old people have been singing on both big and small occasions, even when there was sorrow. 뭐 중대사 뭐 크고 작은 일 모든 일 가운데서 슬픈 일이 있을 때도 찬양을 쭉 해오셨던 장로님이시기 때문에. They are all Koreans who have been through thick and thin together for decades on foreign land. Most of them were born and raised during Japan's forced occupation of Korea. All seniors have stories to tell, but the stories of these men and women are no ordinary tales. They are matters of life and death. 나는 어리지만. I was young, but my older brother was 21, so he was conscripted. I remember two of my brothers being taken by the Japanese military. My parents told me that because my father was the eldest, he had to perform 12 ancestral rite ceremonies a year. He used special brassware for such purposes. During the war, they took away all the brassware to make shells for their cannons. In those days, the Japanese military plundered Korean households to make ammunition. From brass basins to rice bowls and soup bowls, they even took spoons, chopsticks, and hairpins. The Yoons were no exception. My parents tried to hide all the brassware by burying it underground. But the Japanese came around with the spear-like thing and poked the ground everywhere to find the concealed items. For the father, Yun Eun, times were harsh to say the least. He was born to find his nation colonized and exploitation normalized. He lost his parents early, but he was an honest and diligent man. He managed to cultivate quite a bit of land, and by the time he was able to buy the biggest house in the neighborhood, Korea was liberated. But soon after, the war started. With the husband drafted to fight on the battlefield, the wife was left in charge of the Yoon household. When we were fleeing, I carried Namsuk on my back. Jong-ui must have been around six, so mother held her hand as we walked. 
I was 11 and third grade. Oh wait, it was Hyunsuk I carried on my back. Mother was pregnant with Namsuk at the time, and with her belly this big, she had to carry a huge bundle with her. When Yoon Eun returned home, it was when the North Korean People's Army had just begun to retreat. I'd hear the sounds of the bullets while sleeping. It sounded like frying beans. Father had to hide from the North Korean soldiers in the mountains. One night, he heard all the shots and came home, worried about the family. I was asleep on the floor when someone suddenly picked me up and put me in the shelter behind our house. I think father put the kids in the shelter one by one and hid in the attic himself. During the day, the noise of gunshots died down a bit, so we came out of the shelter. Our troops came, so father jumped out of the attic, and the troops mistook him as a commie. They tried to drag him out to shoot him, so I clung to him, crying that my father's not a commie. All the villagers came to say he was one of us, too, that he was hiding in the mountains until now. Without a doubt, the Korean War is the most tragic piece of history in the past 100 years. We had to flee during the winter, so a lot of kids our age in our neighborhood died. Everyone my age died, except for Gi-in, Jung-ok, and me. When the three-year war came to a halt, all that was left was hunger and poverty. As the Yoons were better off than others, hungry people gathered around their residence. Yoon-un took care of those in need, and he was remembered by those around him for a long time. In my second year of high school, I visited our old hometown in Chungju. Mother dressed me in my school uniform and took me around, showing me where I was born. And when we were there, seniors in the neighborhood came and asked if I was Yunin's son. They said that I'll do well in life and that all our siblings will do well, because our father had been such a good man. They say that a parent's good deed brings fortune to their kids. Though the fourth oldest Yoon sibling passed away about 10 years ago, the remaining six are indeed doing well, and perhaps they have their parents' good deeds to thank for that. The youngest brother and his wife open up the bag of gifts they've brought from Seoul. They also brought the seafood from their sister, and the youngest brother has included some red ginseng extract and traditional seaweed as well. All the gifts show the younger sibling's love for their eldest sister. In the past, it was she who looked after the young ones. Our eldest sister would bring everything home, even candies that she received. When she brought home a big rock candy, she would wrap it up in cloth and hit it to break it into pieces 
so we could all share, remember? I would never forget that. You'd break that big candy with the bat used for beating laundry, and we'd all have some. I remember that. But there were also days when Tongyi was jealous of her friends without any younger siblings. When I drew something for art class, the teacher would always praise me and put my work up on the wall. So I'd draw something at home and plan to take it to school the next day. But before I could, one of the younger siblings would always tear it up. I'd never know which one because there were so many. And whenever I sat down to play, Hyunsuk would always pee and my back would become all warm. She practically grew up on my back. She was always carrying her younger sister on her back, even when jumping rope or playing hopscotch, when she was only a child herself. To make matters worse, it was around then that the Yoon sibling's father lost all the family's wealth through a poor land investment. Now Tongi couldn't even dream of going to middle school. They wouldn't let me go to school because they needed me to care for the younger kids. But I wanted to study no matter what, so I decided that I couldn't stay home. So I ran away. The first runaway from home usually ends in failure because they're rarely well thought through. Tongyi was caught, brought home, and scolded severely. But she still wouldn't give up, so she ran away for the second time when she was 16 years old. The next time I convinced mother, I told her that I need to get out to succeed in order to help the younger ones, and that if I just stayed home to cook, we'd never get out of poverty. I asked her to give me a bag of rice, and then I left Chungju, not knowing what would happen next. In the end, it was that decision that changed the lives of the Yoons. Tongyi studied to become a nurse while working at Chungju Hospital and also went to night school. This ambitious woman completed her studies, and at the age of about 20 years old, she started working at a hospital in Seoul, and there she met a man. His father was staying at our hospital. He was a soldier at the time, and he visited his father there. He kept asking me out and said that all he could think about was me, not his sick father. He wrote me letters even before he knew my name. He addressed them as Bison, short for Beautiful Angel. They say the brightest lights cast the biggest shadows. Around the time the two got married and their honeymoon started, Tongi's father became very sick and passed away. 
The father loved all his children, but had a special fondness for his first son, Chan Ui. 어렸을 때그좀 추수하러 갈때 근데 벼배러 갈때 이제 소달구지 끌고 가잖아요. When I was young, when he'd go out to harvest rice, my father would take a loaded ox cart with him, and he'd always put me on top of the haystacks, and it was so much fun. He was so warm, and the most wonderful person in the world to me. When he passed away when I was in first grade, I was sad, because I could never see him again. That's when I learned what death was. Mother became the head of the family once again. Chongyi, the then 17-year-old second daughter, now had to work the fields in place of the eldest sister in Seoul. Older sister was married, and what did I know? After father passed away, mother told me to take care of the younger ones. She said that if I make even a small mistake, the household could fall apart, so I had to keep my head squarely on my shoulders. In the absence of their father, the seven Yoon siblings were forced to grow up fast. Tong Yi, the eldest, encouraged Hyunsuk, the third oldest sister, to move to Seoul. Tong Yi found work for Hyunsuk at a hair salon. To this day, a friend of Hyunsuk's from the those days runs a hair salon in the Yeongdeungpo district of Seoul. A close friend from the mid 1960s. Looking back in those days, developing a specialized skill was a must. And many people were simply grateful to be fed. I came to Seoul when I was 18 and went to beauty school for six months to learn how to cut and style hair. I began working full time the next spring. Those were some grueling times. Some employers would provide a single bowl of rice and tell us to eat it for breakfast and lunch. It's so embarrassing to tell this story in front of customers. Hyunsuk envied her friends in school uniforms, but she was just as sharp as her eldest sister. I'd save my monthly pay and send it home. That's what everyone did at the time. Even people who worked at factories would save up to send money home, just as many migrant workers do in Korea these days. It was like that in the 1960s. That's how everyone lived. Back then, many were happy to work difficult, long hours if it meant their family could have warm meals and educational opportunities. It was thanks to Tongyi and Hyunsuk that another Yoon sister, Minsuk, was able to enroll in the prestigious Seoul Girls Commercial High School. It was hard, but thanks to my older sister's financial support, I was able to graduate high school without a problem. I wasn't able to go to college, but I really wanted to send my younger brothers to college. And they did so well in school as I knew they would. Thus, my decision felt vindicated.
The seven siblings always helped each other. The sisters who settled in Seoul brought the younger brothers to the city as well. Hyunsuk and two younger brothers lived in an alleyway near a fruit market in Yeongdeungpo. It's astounding how little has changed in the area since those days. Hyunsuk worked, studied, and saved what little she had left after sending money home, and eventually opened her own hair salon, but not before bringing another younger brother to Seoul. He and the other Yoon brothers were able to go to school in the capital city thanks to the Yoon sisters. Some black and white photos the youngest brother brought back from the eldest sister's place in the U.S. took the Yoon siblings back in time. At the age of 21, the third Yoon daughter became a hair salon owner and the guardian of her 11-year-old brother. It felt all right playing parent to the smart and handsome little brother. Besides, few things would have made mother happier than having her son succeed in school. I think she felt rewarded when I went to the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology and got my PhD. She was really happy. Some time ago, Yeongdeungpo was a factory district. Textile, beer, and leather factories, they were all there. And most of the workers at those factories were young folks from provincial towns, just like the Yoon siblings. Those resilient individuals paved the way for their younger siblings to attend school and provided financial support to their parents. They were the people who made the famous miracle of the Han River possible. Today, the second Yoon sister, Chung Lee, has invited the youngest brother and his wife to her home. She wanted to cook for them before they returned to Korea. I was so happy when I heard my youngest brother is coming. I kept thinking about what to cook and what you'd like, that I ended up cooking this and that. I hope you'll like them. We all know that you are a great cook. I wish I'd brought a couple more stomachs with me, but unfortunately, I could only bring one. <laughs> Out of all the siblings, Chung Lee is the best cook. She opened a successful sandwich shop when she first immigrated to the U.S., outlasting other restaurants in the area and sending her kids to school. Chung Lee has planted so many vegetables in her backyard that it looks like a small farm. She took care of the family farm until she got married, so she knows how to tend to crops. She says she was a real farmer back then. After father passed away, the field had to be plowed with an ox, but no one would help. So at 17, I said I'd give it a try and took the yoke to plow the field. Someone saw me then apparently said Mr. Yoon's daughter would survive even if she was stranded on top of Waraksan Mountain all alone. Waraksan was the tallest mountain in the area. 
거기는 오락산이 제일 높았는지 오락산 꼭대기에다가 갖다 놔도 혼자 살 거라고 그러면서 그 소리를 들었습니다. While her siblings moved to Seoul for work or school, c h u n g y stayed at their mother's side. But she was ashamed that she worked on a farm and had not been formally educated, so much so that she would hide from company when they visited the Yoon family household. The eldest sister understood her best. 언니가 이제 서울에 있으면서 책을 그렇게 많이 보내줬어. Older sister sent me so many books from Seoul. She sent all the biographies there were, and I'd work during the day and read at night. Sometimes I'd read Japanese novels and Korean essays. That's when I really matured inside. 일본 그 사람이 쓴책뭐그뭐 마음의 샘턴이 그런 걸 읽으면서 내그 속사람이 그때 됐어. 그래 지금 이렇게 저 철이 들어서 생각해 보니까 우리 큰 누나 큰 누나가 진짜 우리 집. Now that I think about it as an adult, our eldest sister was the pioneer of our family. That's true. She really was the pathfinder. Every moment, starting from moving from the countryside to Seoul, then from Seoul to the U.S. Right. Our big sister made the roads, and we all just followed. That was the kind of person Tongi was. She provided her younger siblings with what they needed, and she cleared the path for them. She was the de facto head of the Yoon family, and the anchor for her six younger siblings. In 1970s Korea, there was a boom in immigration to the United States. At the time, it was easier to immigrate to the U.S. than it was to Europe, and also easier to obtain citizenship. In fact, they used to give out green cards upon arrival for some South Korean nationals. In the spring of 1970, the eldest of the Yoon siblings, Tonghee, once again forged a new path for herself and immigrated to the United States of America. Her husband, Sa Sung-sik, shares the story. 100% 미국 왔어. 그러면은 아 절대 100% because of her. At first, I was so against it, so angry. I suggested just the two of us go to see what this country was like, but she insisted we bring all three of our kids. She's a formidable person. 대단한 사람이야. 내가 누나한테 내가 무섭다 그러는 거야. 대단한 여자라고. The husband was against it, but Tongi's drive and ambition were not easily deterred. Sungshik was an engineer, and Tongi had worked as a nurse, the kind of skilled workers that the U.S. was looking to attract. Thus, it was not difficult for them to make the move. But it was definitely difficult to settle and live in a foreign country. Apparently, there was even a day when the whole family had to share a single hamburger for a meal. 다섯 쪽을 날라가지고서 이 사람 한쪽 쪽안 먹어. 그냥 왜 애들이 맛있다고 말해 그냥 호탕 먹어버리는데. I had to cut a burger into five pieces to give to everyone. The kids just gobbled it up, saying that it was delicious. With just a few dollars in my possession, there was nothing I could do. I couldn't find a job. Just thinking about those days makes my eyes water. I couldn't even buy more than one McDonald's hamburger. 
내가 눈물이 저절로 난다고 그 맥도날드 햄버거 하나 뜨면 하나씩 못 사줬어. Such were the difficulties experienced by the first wave of Korean immigrants. But things started to look up thanks to Sungshik. After graduating from Hanyang University's College of Engineering, he had worked as a rubber and plastics researcher at a government-run research facility. Once he found a job, his skills quickly won recognition. My boss was surprised when I could complete the work that took my American counterparts days to do in virtually no time at all. I skipped lunch and just worked as fast as I could. They used to pay me $3 an hour, but soon it was raised to $5 an hour. This was at a time when a gallon of gas cost 25 cents. Korean culture values hard work. No matter what they do, they're quick to finish the job well. And when they have work to do, they put sleeping or eating aside in order to finish the job as soon as possible. It's thanks to such diligence that Korea has grown as much as it has. And as for Sungshik, he was able to establish his own company 10 years after moving to the U.S. Sungshik's factory in Southern California makes specialized rubber parts for commercial airplanes. Have you ever noticed the rubber linings on the edges of airplane windows? That's what they make. He went through all sorts of rough times, but Sungshik says he owes the success to his family, especially his wife, whose idea it was to move to the U.S. in the first place. It was harder for my wife than it was for me. She helped me so much and worked as hard as anyone else to make this factory what it is today. She'd clean the rubber every day, and I'd work on the press line. My sons worked on the line as well. I can proudly say that it's thanks to all the help I got from my family that this company found such a great home. It would have been impossible without their help. Shikgu, the Korean word for family roughly means those who eat together. The family that was forced to split a single hamburger in a foreign country shared the burden in the factory as well. Thanks to such hard work, the company found its footing fast, making it possible for Tongi to invite her sisters. So came the second and fifth sisters, and they continued to live there happily. Okay, so it's ready to go. So, that's okay. Tongi and Songshik's second son, Chung Ho, works with his father these days. Well, actually, he is practically running the company now. Despite their early financial troubles when they first moved to the U.S., Chung Ho turned out all right. He's managed to expand the company's revenue, never misses a deadline, and knows how to use the technology at the factory. It's as if there's nothing he can't do. We've improved a lot of our capabilities from when Dad started to what we have now from, from uh, uh, the Rancho Cucamonga facility to the Etiwanda facility. It's a tremendous uh, improvement uh, into 
new equipment that we purchase. We've diversified uh, into our, our equipment, but I'm also the salesman still. I'm the engineer, I'm the prototyper, I'm the janitor. So tremendous amount of work, and uh, that's why it's not easy for me to go take a vacation. I'm 53 now, so I don't want our company to stay small to this degree, but uh, maybe five, ten years from now, hopefully we can be a much stronger company. And that's my vision. I'm hoping that we will be. And this is a legacy that, that Dad wants. Cheho was seven years old when the family moved to the U.S., as the oldest sibling, he always volunteered to help his parents because he knows well what hardships they had gone through. My parents weren't home. They had to work every day. I was the eldest, so even though I was seven or eight years old, I'd set the table with the rice mom cooked. I remember subsisting on instant noodles. It wasn't easy living in the U.S. at first. But seeing how my mom and dad worked so hard despite not even speaking English well, I learned that we can do anything if we set our minds to it. So I'm grateful for my parents and their hard work. It seems that kids who are cognizant of how hard their parents worked to raise them are more willing to and capable of forging their own paths. Today, the era of first-generation immigrants, Yun Dong-hee and Seo Seung-sik, is giving way to the next generation, the healthy and happy younger Yun generation who haven't had to live through colonization or war. Changes in the world are propelled by the powers of those who yearn for a new world. In 1979, Korea's exports reached $100 billion. People were finally escaping poverty. However, people cannot live on rice alone. That was when Suhan was born. Right. I remember getting Junae's letter while in the military. It said she'd become a mother of three. In 1979, I was a sergeant in the army, and Junie was a freshman in college. I got into college in 1979, so yes, it was the second semester of my freshman year. The two youngest of the seven siblings, Chan Ui and Chun Ui, spent their formative years in a tumultuous period of modern Korean history, symbolized by tear gas, the Myeongdong Cathedral, and the so-called necktie troops. At the end of 1970 and the beginning of 1980, the world was shaken up. The turbulence was as violent as the authorities' grips had been tight. It was the day of our school's festival, so we got everything ready the day before. But when I got to school, the main gate was closed, and there was a tank in front. It was really menacing. By the time the May 18th democratization movement was happening, I already had my discharge ordered. I was discharged on June 17th, but I only found out about it belatedly. There was only one military newspaper and one TV, which said there was a riot started by a mob. 
크레비가 냉반에한대 있긴 한데 저녁 때 와서 잠깐 쉴때 보고 그럼 뭐 난리가 난 듯이 뭐저 폭도들이 뭐 폭동 일으켜가지고 난리 났다고 뭐 그런 거. The dark tunnel toward a new world was longer than most thought. A college student became a soldier, and a soldier became an office worker. But the world had yet to change, and sacrifices still had to be made. 60 항쟁 때는 내가 KT 그저 연구소. When the June 10th democracy movement started, I was working in Myeongdong. I started working there in 1985, and the movement took place in 1987. I was still pretty fresh. My office was on the ninth floor of the Myeongdong Telephone Exchange building. By the time I'd leave work, demonstrations would be going on everywhere. When tear gas was fired, I would hide somewhere behind the work building. Myeongdong Cathedral was nearby, and that's why there were so many demonstrations held there. I think there were more regular people there than just students. And thanks to those citizens and students, we now enjoy a fully democratic country. The fact is, through the rough 70s and 80s, as well as during the forced occupation, it was the nameless masses who stood at the center of history. They were the ones who shouted manse and resisted. And as Korea surmounted one obstacle after the next, the Korean people became tougher and grew stronger. Tongi's 15-year-old grandson, Chun-suk, is a huge fan of K-pop. His favorite group is Day6. Kids these days are different from earlier generations. They're happy, healthy, and unscarred. Older people find confidence in today's youth. Was there ever a time in history when Korea was so popular overseas? Just a few decades ago, Korea was known only for selling wigs and textile products. In those days, people couldn't even imagine that Korean celebrities would be known around the world. Pop culture is not the only popular Korean export either. When you walk into Costco, the home appliance section is the first thing you see, and there's a Samsung TV that's as big as a front door for everyone to see. Seeing people from all sorts of backgrounds looking at that TV and knowing that it and many other made-in-Korea products are so popular, I feel proud of my country. I feel the same way. That's true. That's why we use LG laundry machines and Samsung refrigerators. Tony's friends have supported each other for the past 30 years. The seven ladies, who call themselves the Seven Stars, have all gathered at Tony's home today. Considering how she's lived through the Japanese occupation, 
the war as a refugee, and also her tiring and at times lonely life away from her home country, Tongyi's current life is peaceful. It's the kind of serenity that only those who've gone through true pain and suffering can fully appreciate. Toward the end of Juni's week-long visit to the U.S., unfortunate news breaks. The second North Korea-U.S. presidential summit has collapsed. It would have been so nice if everything worked out. I prayed so much. It would be wonderful if the negotiations would just go smoothly so that we can live peacefully with North Korea. My generation may have lived in a divided country, but we hope and pray that our descendants on the peninsula will live happily in a united Korea. Korea has overcome colonial oppression and a ruinous civil war to become one of the most dynamic free market democratic societies in the world. Indeed, there's no country quite like Korea. The nation is strong enough to determine its own fate and chart its own destiny into the future. On a hill overlooking the city of Los Angeles, Tonghee, the eldest sister of the seven Yoon siblings, has brought her younger sisters and brothers to pay a visit to their mother. Their mother, Ito Sun, was born in 1919 and lived 90 turbulent years. She moved to the U.S. in the early 1980s at the invitation of her eldest daughter, and today she lies peacefully on this hill, facing the Pacific Ocean. I'll come again. Please rest in peace. Leaving those words behind, Juni and his wife will now return to their home in Korea. His sisters in the U.S., as well as their children, will each continue on with their lives as well. Life brings us unexpected hardships and unavoidable situations, but we live on just as the Yoons have for the past 100 years. The Yoon family's past 100 years is a true reflection of Korea's modern history.
That brings us to the end of KBS World Radio's special program marking the 100th anniversary of the establishment of the Provisional Government of the Republic of Korea, the Yoon's 100 years. This has been Sean Lim. Thank you for tuning in. KBS World Radio offers all you need to know on Korea through its various programs. Tune in to One Fine Day with Lena Park, enjoying the K-pop diva for two fine hours every weekday. Are you into the latest K-pop tracks? Then K-pop Connection is your fix. Brian Ju brings you the best of K-pop and K-culture. On Korea 24, host Kwon Jang-woo helps listeners digest all the biggest stories coming out of South Korea. Keep up with what's happening on the peninsula by listening to Korea 24. Learn about Korean folktales on Mondays with global audiobook Once Upon a Time in Korea. If you're a bookworm, don't miss Books on Demand, a program that introduces Korean literature to the global audience every Tuesday. Our Wednesday program, Korea Today and Tomorrow, provides news on the latest diplomatic developments in and around the Korean peninsula. Want to go deeper than K-pop? Sounds of Korea takes a closer look at various traditional music every Thursday. KBS World Radio is your go-to channel for all things Korea. Tune in!